Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about the cutting room floor. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, they pronouns. My name is Micah Silver, and I'm an elementary educator, and I use they, them pronouns. This is our 2022 year wrap-up, not a clip show. Our Fry Bits, if you will. We're calling it Fry Bits. Look, the 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 basic structure of this show is pretty loose. I think if you've listened to our show, you can tell that. We kind of just like have a conversation about the movie, but it, it tends to wander. We both have ADHD. Our brains wander. So a lot of the times the stuff we talk about isn't really relevant to the movie. And some of it's interesting, but it just doesn't belong in the show. So this episode is all the stuff that we cut throughout the year well not all the stuff all the stuff that i found interesting that we cut throughout the year that i thought people might want to hear uh if that's not your thing and you just come here to listen to us talk about movies have a lovely holiday then <laughs> we'll, we'll see, you see you next year. year we're doing disney stuff and and other animation studios next year so we'll see you when we do that if you are a person who comes here specifically for childhood and education stuff if you're an educator something like that the all the childhood and education stuff is in like the first 30 to 40 minutes or so you'll know it's over when there's a cat meow that's the marker (laughs) that you've finished all the childhood stuff and the chaos has begun after that and then if you it gets weirder and weirder but if there's a little there's a little boop there's a little nugget for you if you stick it all the way through the almost two hours of weird meandering bits you get distracted a lot (laughs) this isn't even half of it so much like probably half of what we had i didn't fit in the show or i had to cut out this could have been a five-hour episode if we'd put in everything that we cut out of the show we're not that entertaining. No. You can follow us on Twitter for maybe a few more weeks. Let's be real. Twitter is <laughs> Well, dying. look, well, we're getting on Mastodon. We'll see you all on Mastodon. <laughs> follow our rel- our various TikToks. Oh. I'm Haxor on everything, so I'm easy to find. I don't know what I am off the top of my head because I never <laughs> use it. This is why you got to have one username. I decided when I was 15, I picked my username and then I was like, dust my hands off, done, did it, got my username, have not abandoned it since 2005 when I got a Twitter account. <laughs> Keep an eye out for social media updates because we are leaving Twitter. Leave a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps a bunch. And as always, thank you. High school was like 2,500 students in three grades. Yikes. It was huge. That's a lot of So kids. we had to have yeah. the freshmen at the junior high because they're just like, there wasn't, wasn't room. room. Yeah, that's a lot of kids to move through a building. It's, it's enormous. And it was like kind of terrifying, like as a person who doesn't like crowds. To have to like move through a sea of a thousand people. To I remember get hating between it. your classes and like people are touching you, even if they don't mean it. And then every once in a while, there is some asshole who just like wants to kick your books out of your hand because yeah. they can. Yeah, this is a weird 
detail that like we'll see whether or not it makes it into the show but i this is like i think probably like an adhd thing i my i never had like an organized folder right i just would like throw everything into the folder and then you know use my human grip strength to just like keep it all together right like a monster yeah so people i think took a special pleasure in like throwing my books on the ground because it would just it was just a cascade of papers going back probably to the beginning of the semester which is why you organize so it doesn't do that see and this but no no for me this is like this is like a wildfire you know just like culling the herd you lowering the ground cover so that new plants can grow. It's just like, well, I'm going to scoop up what's immediately here. Is there something I know is recent? Okay. And uh, the rest of that is just going to stay there on the floor. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> you got to thin the herd some. I hate you. <laughs> it's not my fault somebody threw my shit on the floor. Make them pick it up. Oh, no, absolutely. They should pick it up. But, like... As someone who had matching binders and folders for every class. But see, like, every time I've tried to do that stuff, I just get, it takes too long and I get frustrated and I don't do it. The system that I use that it seems to work for me is I have a folder that's for the papers of the day. So, like, whatever I get, I only have one. So I put everything I get that day in one folder so I don't have to, like, worry about digging out the right folders when I'm at school or, like, you know, having to hurry. And then while I sit down to do my homework, I quickly sort through the papers and put them with the right subjects. You've already done like nine more steps than I ever did for schoolwork. See, I had to turn it into an art project and make it organized and pretty so I had any connection to it. See, the thing about my schoolwork is my ADHD allows me for no object permanence. Yikes. So you give me a worksheet and you say, bring this backfield out tomorrow, like, you may as well just shred that worksheet. Because I'm going to do it when I get to your class early tomorrow. That's when I'm going to do it. Because that's when I'm going to open my folder and be like, oh, I have schoolwork. I'm going to do it right now. And, like, uh, and then the same thing, like, my planner, like, people were like, oh, put your homework in your plan. They give you out a planner. Everybody a planner yeah. every year. The planner has the same problem that my phone has now. Right. By the time I open the planner to write There's the too much going work, on. I see all the other stuff that's going on, and poof, my brain is blank. I have no idea why I opened my planner. That makes sense. So I, like, I got... Literally the only reason I ever got bad grades in school was because, like, I was not doing that fucking homework. I got an A on the test, but fuck if I'm ever bringing back that worksheet. Yeah. Or I had I had a math teacher who didn't require you to do the homework, but every test, like, 50% of the test was made up of, like, questions from the homework. Yeah, that's a great so way to would, do it. he would just say, like... You know, question from this date, this number problem. Oh, he would like tell you where to find it. Right. So that if you had done it, like he wouldn't give you the equations. He would just say like this date, this question, and then you would have to copy it from your notebook. 
I had to take his class twice. Yeah, that seems like a nightmare. Because his whole grade was on those tests. I never did the homework. I got like full A's on the whole test. I just never did any of the homework. Right. And the only reason I did better the second time I took his class was because I found somebody to who was in an earlier class to give me the answers of what problems to do. And I would just do all six problems in my notebook at lunch or whatever. Wow. Like I literally only got a better grade because I cheated. Jesus. Yeah, no, like, it's one thing to, like, literally take, just, like, copy the same question from a note, from a homework yeah. and lay it out for your students, but making your students hunt for the information and rely on the fact that, like... That they did... Because, to- like, yeah, if he'd just given me the equation, totally, I would have solved it, because I knew the math. Right. It wasn't a test, but, like, that's so much school stuff, and so much of the problem that I had with school was, like, so much of it... Doesn't test whether you're good at the thing. No, it tests. It tests whether you're willing to do the bullshit that the teacher gives you. Yeah. Which I'm not. No, you're not. Absolutely not. Especially if I understand the material. Fuck no am I doing that fucking workbook or whatever. Yeah. Why? Like, it's a waste of my precious free time, which because I was working, I had so little of. Yeah. And also, like, what does it gain me? Nothing. Right. We don't, well, you know, it breaks down your ability to say no to after work. Work. Because I spent eight hours a day in school learning. I do not want to come home and do three more hours of learning. Yeah, no. That's bullshit. It's like, it's it's your fault for not teaching me better right. during the day. I'm not going to do extra work because you used our time badly. No. I always felt like if I taught a subject like math or science that I would like break up the week into like lecture days and then like not have any homework but have like here's a worksheet that we're going to do tomorrow. You can do it when you want or you can wait until class tomorrow and we will have X amount of time to work on it tomorrow. Yeah. I totally think that giving kids independent time to solve problems on their own because I feel like we know that homework does attempt to solve a problem of like we know that not a lot of people learn well by being instructed. Yes. Which is like why our whole school system is kind of ass backwards. But so it is a good concept to like just here's here's some stuff to do right in this subject that will give us both an idea of where you need help. Yeah. Rather than me just like explaining it to you and putting it on the board. Over right. There. But yeah, it's bullshit to monopolize kids' time that way. Like, I'm behind just like, okay, here's the book. Here's five questions. Like, either hunt for the answers or solve the equations or like read the short story and answer these. But then, because this is school, I'm here to answer your questions to actually right. fill the gaps in your understanding. Whereas if you're doing homework at home by yourself, either you already understand the material, so the homework is busy work to you, it's right. just killing time, or you don't understand the material and the textbook is probably not any more helpful oh, no. than your teacher, so you're just 
up a creek. So, like, as the kid who could understand it when we were in class because the way you were explaining it engaged me and right. I could remember it. Right. And then, but the moment I was on my own and didn't have that resource, I fucking forgot everything totally. and completely blanked. And especially in algebra with all of the letters and numbers that get twisted around for yeah. me, it was a yeah. nightmare. So. And homework was always, like, I would just get so overwhelmed by, like, the pages of equations that, like, we were supposed to copy out of the book and just be like, I don't even know where to start with this. And I don't have a resource where I can be like, help Help me focus with this. this. Where do I start? What's a good, you know, like, having that resource is really important. In my ideal school, I feel like time would be split up into three sections. You have a third of your time in instruction of where you're not necessarily getting lectured at, but you're learning material, you're actively learning material. Right. A third of your time is in electives and like creative outputs that you want to study and that you can follow. You have your music, your art, your specialized science classes and stuff. And then a third of it should be study time. Like you should yeah. have time and space to study in environments that not just the quiet library but have cafe spots or like lunch gathering spots where you can have the white noise that you if you need that right and also have teachers available available to be like hey i don't understand this or i'm not comprehending this as well as i thought i was when i was in class right or like especially if you're doing research papers of like I, you know, I'm stuck where, what can I do to help myself? And like having that resource is so important because I, like I took a study hall one year and it was the best decision I had ever made Yeah, because like I had like a chance to sit, while I was in my school brain, I could do my schoolwork and not like have to like transition to home and then keep that tether to school and all of that. I think in all the years that I was in school, I had very few study halls, but almost exclusively when I did have them, I did not use them for schoolwork. No, that makes sense because kids also need a break in the day. When I was in seventh or eighth grade, I had a study hall. I don't even remember. I think it was required. Okay. I think at that point, I you had to have at least one, and I literally just used it to play D and D. Me and another the the same kid we've talked about before, the same kid who taught me to play D and D. We happened to be in that study hall together, and so we we were getting in trouble for playing D and D in the study hall room. But you could get the pass to go up to the library if you had study hall that hour. So we would go up to the library and we would play D&D in the library because, like, there's more stuff going on. So right. people are less likely to notice stuff like that. And then the, the librarian noticed us rolling dice at one point and she was like, put the game away. And it was like, well, you can't really can't really put the game away it's like an improv game but you were the worst in high school weren't you this was middle school this was like uh middle school but yeah i was the worst in high school i i was always the D kid oh no it's not the D. it's the technically i can't put it away <laughs> bullshit oh yeah i've just always been this way yeah technically you can't really put it away it's a brain game so then we started using like random number generators on a calculator nice which is also how I played D&D when I was in the Scouts. And you can't really roll dice so well. No, you can't. But that's... You always find a way. Yeah. Life finds a way. 
<laughs> Meeting one of my more problematic children where they're at and adjusting for their needs instead of forcing them into the box of our needs. Right. What a concept. What a concept. I've been more lenient. Uh, I've been trying to like let him vocally stim more because he does a lot and like just being like, you can keep doing it. Just turn down the volume. Yeah. You just, everybody's got to be able to listen. Right. That's cool. You know, uh, changing my language so I'm not talking in like such like weird open ended stuff. And like, like one of our interactions was like, would you like to pick that up for like, uh, come on. And he was like, no. And I was like, can you pick it up? And he was like, oh yeah, I got you. I totally. Uh, and then I had the hardest time with that. I'm sorry to no. s- stop down in the middle of your story. But it's like, how did nobody know I was autistic? I got in trouble for that exact same thing when I was like 14 or 15 years old. So my stepdad at the time would would phrase things like, would you like to mow the lawn? And I'd be like, no, no, no I'm reading a book. I would not like to mow the lawn. Thank you for asking. And then he was apparently and then apparently did not tell me this, but like was pissed because. I would never do the things he asked me to do, but he didn't phrase them to me in a way that was like a request. Right. They were it an was open-ended. like an open-ended question. No, I would not like to mow the lawn. I hate mowing the lawn. It's sunny. I, I, it's the worst. Right. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry. No. We had a really long conversation at recess today about all the things he likes and... Like, it was the first time that, like, I had gotten him to, like, have a conversation with me. And, like, just, like, oh, he was so excited. We were talking about garbage trucks um, and motorcycles. Uh, But he doesn't, we have to put sunscreen on at the end of the day before we go out to recess. Right. And for some weird reason, we are not allowed aerosol uh, sunscreen. So it all is lotion sunscreen. Which he is not a fan of. Which I mean, I, same, same, like totally. But he, we were me and my teacher, uh, me and my lead teacher split up the kids so it would go faster, and I'm not sitting there putting on fifteen different kids' sunscreens. Right. Um. But uh, she had his, and he like refused to put on his sunscreen, and then I was I was done with my kids and i was like do you want me to put it on and he's like yes i'm like oh okay. okay and i think it's also because i ask my kids like do you want your legs done first your arms done first your face done first like i try to give them that autonomy of like i have to touch your body but i want your permission to tell me where and so you yeah. are aware of where it's going yeah so you know he like it's he doesn't mind it on his arms and legs and then it's his face and i'm like i get it i will be super quick and I don't like touching your face either. Yeah. Weirds me out. Yeah. But you need to not, you are very, very pale and you cannot be in the sun for two hours. Yeah. Without sunscreen. I can identify with that. <laughs> He's such a sweet kid. As a person who once got sunburnt in the car on the way to a show, let me tell you, I cannot advocate highly enough for sunscreen. Wow. Yeah, through a closed window of a car 
I think I was going from like Wausau to Madison or Milwaukee. I can't remember which. Uh huh. But like a three hour. Right. Two and a half, three hour car ride. And yeah, I got like fully burned on like one whole side of my face and body. Ouch. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, that does not I'm sound so pleasant. fair. You it's a real problem. It is a real problem. I have. I really appreciate that I'm like connecting with this kid and like he listens to me better. Yeah. Than he did a week ago when I like switched how I like I because you know like I I'm an assistant teacher so like I don't really get a lot of power in the classroom and mm-hmm. I like kind of so I follow my lead teachers a lot. Yeah. And then I finally have been working this job long enough that I know I can like know and what to expect and of like learn the kids so i like was able to finally like switch and be like okay this is where i can meet you this is what i can do yeah and it's really cool to see how just like little changes have made him more comfortable around me yeah and that is exciting he seems to be it was a better day today than it has been in a while and and it's amazing what kids can do when you actually just like meet them where they're at and find out what it is they need rather than just trying to fit this, you know, square peg into a round hole. Yeah, I've got a, I've got multiple kids who fight naps, but I've got one in particular where like today I was trying, I'm like trying to have a conversation with him. I'm like, why don't you want a nap? And he just kept giving me the I'm not tired while he's just like, you know, he was doing the classic I'm tired and going to keep moving. And if I keep moving my body, I'll never fall asleep. Exactly. And never have to admit that I'm tired. Yeah, exactly. And so like having the conversation, trying to get like, why? Why don't we want to sleep? What's what's going on? And he did not want to have that conversation because he was too tired and yeah. uh, needed to take a nap. But. Three of my kids pissed me the fuck off today and like actually like got me super deregulated because of their behavior. Um, Yesterday was a really what we had a hard time coming in for an app and we had a quick but stern and understanding conversation of this is not acceptable. You cannot come in, start jumping on your cot, running around the classroom, screaming, doing all, you know, like, right. You know what to do at nap time. Mm -hmm. Start doing what you need to do. Uh, and I got everyone to sleep that day. (laughs) Nice. So I was hoping like, so before we went in today, reminded that conversation, are we going to jump around? Are we going to run? Are we going to scream? No, no, no. Great. Let's shake our sillies out. And take some big, deep breaths and calm our body. They start running and screaming down the hallway to the point where one of my administrators have to poke their head out of their office and be like, excuse me. Do you have nap after recess? We have lunch recess nap. That's what I thought. That seems like a bad way to organize things. It's so many transitions. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I feel like I understand the impulse to want to have like physical activity before nap to let kids but work out their energy. Up. But it, yeah, exactly. It has the opposite effect where it revs them up. And literally, it would be so much easier if you just went right from lunch to nap and then you went 
to recess after lo- after nap to wake everybody up from nap. Yeah, you know what I mean? That would mean we would have to like not go. We would have to change. But that would mean that the owner doesn't know what's right and or whatever. The uh, we would have to ske- change the schedule and uh, they also I want. <laughs> So this admin member, very sweet, she works at all three schools. She ended up having to come into my room and help me put my kids to sleep today because they were so wild. Mm -hmm. And three of them still didn't sleep and caused mayhem the entire time. Um, But she mentioned that at one of our other schools, they have a nap room where all of the nappers from all of the rooms go into one room and nap and then you because we split the room because like half my kids don't nap and half my kids do mm-hmm. um but then one you have one dedicated classroom that's all nappers no interruptions no right. whatever two the teachers who do have nappers who take care of them i.e me and another teacher would have backup if we have to go to the bathroom right. or do anything and just don't have to like or you know with situations like this where you have you are you just want to physically hold down a child and just go sleep you need this yeah oh i don't worry i didn't physically hold down a child <laughs> i know how but to it do is my tempting. job it's so tempting oh yeah uh my kid they just wanted to like brush they ended up we they had to sit on their cot for more time than they wanted to because they decided that they were going to wake everyone else up from their nap and throw things at me and scream and then started scream crying because they want to get off their cot because they're tired. Aren't you so glad that you teach small children? I cannot wait <laughs> to get back into school age kids. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love my toddlers. They're weird and they're fun. But oh my God, the constant questions. Yeah, I'm sure. My kids are finally catching on that I have a bandaid on my arm every single day to cover up my bitch tattoo. Uh, yeah. Um, the current line is my cat climbed me like a cat tree and it's a really deep cut and it just needs one. And then the other one that we're trying is it's not your concern. Cause my kids are so noisy. My kids are so nosy. I bet their brains are just little sponges at that age. They just want to learn everything. Anytime anyone's in trouble, what's going on? It's who do you're talking to? Not you. It's okay. It's none of your business. Why are they doing that? None of your business. I don't need to tell you why they're in trouble. Who cares? Yeah. That's nothing to do with you. Don't be a snitch either is one we have to teach at this age. Yeah, man. Teacher Micah, teacher Micah, so-and-so did what? And? So? What do you, what? Are they hurting you? Is it? Is then it... I think it's probably fine. Right, like one person. <laughs> One of my kids today was like, teacher Micah, teacher Micah, these two kids are talking to each other while they're playing a game while they're working. And I'm like, are they focusing okay. on, are they focusing on their work? Yes. Are they talking out loud and bothering other people? No. Okay. So let them have Great. fun. They're doing the job. Like who cares? Just. They're still doing the activity. You're the one just being a disruption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, yeah, my kids get so mad at me when I'm just like, and 
I'm so excited to have my own space. It's definitely. Oh. Also, you trust nine-year-olds with scapulas? Not, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Scapula is your shoulder blade. You mean scalpels. Plus, do you trust nine-year-olds with scalpels? Scape. You're going to give it one more shot? Scalpel. 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 Scalpels. Yeah, honestly, I feel like starting kids, like, I didn't take swim lessons until I was eight, nine, ten or something. Like, I feel like starting that stuff that late makes it so much harder. Yeah. To actually learn, like, if you had just been swimming, like, continuously that whole time, then you there wouldn't have to be, like, swim lessons. Yeah, yeah. I was really lucky, and my grandmother had a pool growing up. Yeah. And so my mom had me in the pool when I was really little. I've got a great story about learning how to swim. Yes. Yeah. So, like, y'all know I've talked about my lake house, which is not, like, a fancy thing. I feel like when I talk about the lake house, people think it's like this beautiful, giant, huge place. It's like a step above a cabin because it had running water. Um, So, like, my sister would just throw me off the end of the dock and just be like, figure it out. Yeah, I feel like. At least that's kind of what I've been led to believe. But they also used to tell me that they found my car seat on the side of the road. So... (laughs) That just seems, that's just mean. Yeah, well, they didn't really like me. <laughs> I was a, I was a very annoying sibling. I mean, I haven't changed my I mean, I was going to say, you're a mildly annoying adult. I already know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was basically forced to either figure it out or drown. <laughs> but I, I almost drowned I definitely once. I definitely feel like I had that experience too. I was such a sucker, still am a sucker, for, like, Chosen One plot lines. I fucking hate a Chosen One. Well, yeah, they're cliche and overdone, and but, like, I felt like my favorite musical growing up was Wicked. And, you know, my first, like, hyper-focus was Harry Potter. Like, weird kid who doesn't understand what's going on finally figures it out, and Mm -hmm. everything is magical. And then it turns out the world actually has been waiting for them to figure it out forever. It's a dream come true. Yeah. I think that's why it bothers me so much. This is like a fight you and I have had since, like, the dawn of our friendship is, like... Because, like, if I'm reading a book and 10 pages in, 10 or 15, 20 pages in, you find out they're the chosen one, I'll put it down. Yeah. But if I find out two-thirds of the way through, this happened to me with a book one time, really, really good. I really liked it. It was, like, really gritty. And, like, the main character wasn't, like, particularly good at anything. He just, like, you know, kept fucking throwing himself at it. And it was, like, really great that he wasn't, like, special or chosen or gifted or anything and then fucking three quarters of the way through the book we find his secret gift and he turns into the most powerful being in the universe oh fuck that and i literally chucked the book across the room i was like how fucking dare you you do not put that much narrative into deceive me like this yeah that i would be mad about that too and then it just feels like a cop-out the greatest shame in my life I feel, like, gross about this. Like, I feel more ashamed of this than every depraved sex act I've ever <laughs> what did you taken do to a part book? in. I finished that book, and I read the uh, the two sequels. <laughs> and I feel fucking gross about it. 
They were awful. I hated them. But I liked that character so fucking much. And that if first I book was felt, so good. If I felt bad for the amount of trash I read, I... <laughs> you'd never, I would you'd never, never stop wallowing. <laughs> no. I don't do reality TV show. I do trashy books. <laughs> I have no patience for that. I like to talk to them and yell at them about how stupid and cliche they are. <laughs> like those fucking fairy sex books. <laughs> okay. I don't. I do not get it. But I also, the- this is also a thing of mine about like heterosexual romance novels in general. Fair. It's like, I'm never going to be into the like the man. <laughs> Look, my. Even if he's a fairy. <laughs> Even if they're both fairies, I never really got to the actual sex part of that book. <laughs> they're not. They're they're fine. They're not great. <laughs> they're not awful. I do like them, and I want to read her other work, but I have not yet gotten around to yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean, they're very popular. I'm not shaming pop- you for reading no. romance. That is not what I'm shaming you about. I'm shaming you for reading bad romance. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. They they are trash, and I don't know. I I mean, I have a thing for trash. I dated you for a while. Whoa! Shots fired. Crazy! I can't wait to get my nose fixed. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice to be able to just get the medical care you need? What a crazy concept! I've needed. I've known I needed this thing since I was a child. A child, because my dad had it. And he had to have it fixed when I was pretty young. And I've known, they literally said, like, you're also going to have to do this at some point, but you're probably going to have to save up a bunch of money because the healthcare system doesn't going to work for you and you're not going to be able to take off work. Jesus. <sighs> I hate this country. I want to leave. I want to leave so bad. Oh, someone from another country marry me. I'm not technically married. <laughs> Right? Like, I'm sorry, I love my husband, but I do need to get out of here. <laughs> uh, I'm single. Uh, <laughs> I like long walks in the forest and uh, long drives in the also the forest. This is going to be some good Patreon content. <laughs> <laughs> this is not making it on the show. <laughs> I am a Virgo son. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the violence... <laughs> yes, anyway, the violence. I have a question. I have a legitimate question. Uh-huh. And I I've been thinking about this a lot. But is Christoph a furry? The way he relates to reindeer makes me think he's a furry. I fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Nothing against furries. No, I no, just, no. I have. I mean, look, we have, have some great of- friends who are furries, but like, I, I, yeah, I think Kristoff might be a furry. I mean, because it's not. Here's the thing: Kristoff and Sven are not fucking. No, that's not. No, that's not. not I don't think all. that's what anybody's saying. I think Kristoff thinks he and Sven are like best friends because they're both reindeer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, Lowe's seems like a very frustrating place to work. I cannot. I feel so awful that I went back to retail work. Like, I fucking hate it. But I don't have any other fucking skills. Right. And I'm not going back to the kitchen. 
I just can't do that shit anymore. I'm not 22. I can't kill myself like that anymore. It's such a rough industry. Yeah, and it pays nothing. Like, I am starting at Lowe's at more money than I had at my last restaurant Mm. job. Like, not if you count tips, but, like, I'm making a better wage. My employer is paying me more money. Right. And I was in the restaurant industry for a fucking decade. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. It's fucking crime. And it makes me, like, realizing all that stuff makes me not want to ever, like, the dream that every restaurant person has is, like, to own your own restaurant. Right. So that you, too, can make $500,000 and live in your Florida house on the back of a bunch of workers making $13 an hour. Right. Like, but that's, that's not any kind of fucking dream. No. Like, that's just dreaming of being a class trader and abusing people in the same way you were abused. Like, it's the exact same abuse cycle yep. that we always talk about. It's just like, well, I was abused, and so my dream is to be able to have a group of people that in the future I can abuse. Right. So that I can work out the power that I didn't have when I was being abused. We just need to have... Anyway, like, even our, like, fucking jerk-off time has takes in it. <laughs> I feel like we just need to send all of America to therapy. For real, like, though. Like, We yeah. just need to, like, as a culture, we need to just, like, heal from shit and move and on. Honestly, and... I think we all need, collectively... A couple of sessions of group therapy. I think we all yes! need to sit down together, share our experiences, really look each other in the eyes. <laughs> I wonder how Violet's doing. Oh, did you leave her in your room? She did. They did. It did. I don't know what snail gender is like, frankly. I think they're, I think they could switch. Fun. That seems ideal. Right? Frankly. It really does. Or if I could just like pick and choose day to day. Like traits or mm. like mix and match, you know? Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, East Coast sounds good. They just passed legal weed. Oh, shit. Okay. Just, just on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, elections. I was so checked out. Those fucking elections. I. I checked out too hard. That I could not I could not stop. Look, it was bad. I had a problem. I was just so anxious. That's fair. <laughs> but it was like this is literally the best outcome anyone could possibly have hoped for. Yeah, it went really well. Yeah, incredibly well. And you know what people said over and over? You know what, like, exit polls said over and over was the reason people fucking voted? Was because abortion got overturned. It was the fucking Dobbs decision. Like, we told you this was going to happen. You shot yourself in the fucking face. Oh, my God. I sent you a video. I'm sure I've sent you 30 videos you haven't watched. Um, Not a judgment. I send a lot of TikToks. I watch a lot of TikTok. <laughs> No, I was at work today. <laughs> Especially, like, these last few weeks at work when oh, yeah. we're not doing anything. Like, I'm taking a 20-minute piss every 40 minutes. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, 
But I sent this video, sent you this video today of Nick Fuentes. You're familiar with yes. Nick Fuentes. Um, just fully saying the quiet part out loud, where he was like, "People now like they only care about their abortions and their gay rights and being trans and being supported and like their." stupid wages and he said he fully said this is why we need a dictatorship this is why we need to be able to enforce our ideals on everyone else because everyone else is ruining it and they're doing it wrong like that's i'm so glad that they're just i mean nick fuentes is like in no way the mainstream right like he's the definition of an extremist but even he wouldn't have said, like, it's obvious we need a dictatorship to suppress the majority views of most Americans, like, a month ago, six weeks ago, whatever. Like, they're, they're... so desperate and so scared that they're going to have to live in a world that accepts gay people and abortions and isn't Christian that they're literally going to destroy the country and tear it apart because they'd rather that we not have a country than have one that doesn't fit their specific extremist Christian worldview. (laughs) And like, to me at this point, unless we undertake some large scale democratic reforms, I think, I truly believe that it is only a matter of time until there is a a more successful coup attempt. Oh yeah. Oh, it's coming. It's if not like an actual coup with an installed like military junta. <sighs> place is a hellhole <laughs> but like maybe if that happens we can leave like isn't that terrifying we can seek asylum right that like my escape plan is to seek asylum because they want to kill me well like imagine if if all the circumstances of your life were the same as they are right now right right can't afford your basic cost of living You can't afford health care and your government won't provide it to you. You know, like people are dying in the streets. We have mass incarceration, which is used as slave labor. Like if we had a, a less democratic government or if we had we had a smaller military. Like the U.S. would have invaded us. Yeah, we would. If we were in South America, the U.S. would have overturned our government by now. Yeah. Granted, they would have installed a right wing like fascist. But like, it's only because of the GDP of the U.S. that we are not like a third world country. That we're not like a developing country. Yeah. No. It's only because. Like, a handful of people make a bunch of money and we control the world's, like, economy that, like, we are not allowed to flee. And it's like, we are imprisoned by our country's success that is 
not given to us at all in no. any way. Like, it's not our success. No, it's Jeff Bezos. It's Lockheed Martin's success. It's Boeing's success. It's fucking Heckler and Coke's success. Like, Coke Brothers. I have a special place in my heart for all of the hate I have for the Coke Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> like, remember, friends, Wisconsin was their test ground. But, like, even the Cokes are like I've heard statements from the even the Cokes saying that like they're worried about the fascists. That's terrifying. Like if fucking Fred Coke is or whatever the fucking dude's name is is worried about like fascists not accepting election results and like attempting another coup. That's terrifying. Like that's not great. Like, if, yeah, if the Koch brothers won't give money to certain political candidates because they're too extreme, then... Oh, boy. You really fucked up, bud. You really done fucked up. I'm brooding and mysterious, and I can't talk about my problems, and apparently I'm like 30% Carl Sagan for some reason. <laughs> billions and billions of stars. <laughs> That's not even a good Carl Sagan. It's not <laughs> billions. Uh, now it's turning. See if you do if you do Carl Sagan too hard, it turns into Kermit the Frog. It does. That's the problem. Is it like you you have to land somewhere between like billions and that which is terrible and billions <laughs> billions billions and billions of stars. It's so fucking late. <laughs> <laughs> Things get weird when we record this late. They do. Okay, so I hate dates. Not the the fruit. I love dates. <laughs> but I hate like going on a date and in particular a first date like I'm not good at getting to know new people when the stakes are low. Right. And when the stakes are high, I fucking choke every time yeah I, I i freak out i stumble so i have developed a system over the years for what are good first date practices and then first good first dates that fit slot into those categories Ooh, i love a good system so we all know from psychology if you don't know i'm going to teach you right now Looking someone directly in the eyes, sitting across from someone and trying to have a conversation is like way higher pressure. It's way more difficult to have a conversation than like if you and the other person are facing the same direction. Don't make eye contact. It makes me uncomfortable. So that's why very like I like to, you know, when you and I were dating, we and gas wasn't five dollars a gallon. We used to like drive around yeah. in the country. Those are such fun dates. Because when you're facing the same direction, you don't have to look at each other. You can have a conversation. But also, another important detail about a first date is you have to be able to not interact with each other. Yeah, I want that. That is the trouble with a, like a dinner or or drink situation. Is that now you're stuck at this table looking at each other's faces and you're just fucking trapped. So. In my perfect first date system, there's a secondary activity taking place, ideally where you're both facing 
the same direction. This is why we hiked a lot. Right. So hiking, driving, if, you know, you, you have an electric to. car. And museums. Love a museum. Dude. I love a museum. Or museums or honestly just get a cup of coffee at a street cart and walk around with it. Don't, yeah, street- don't sit at the coffee shop. Walk around with your cup of coffee. Street fairs. Street fair. Just um, like anything, farmer's market. Farmer's market. Anything where you're walking around doing an activity together so you can have conversation about something and have conversation with each other but with the pressure being low to where you don't have to necessarily. My ex and I used to do farmer market dates where we would walk around the market collecting ingredients and then go back to their place to cook a meal with the ingredients. That's a great idea. So like we had to have a conversation about like what we wanted or like if we, you know, build something together. Yeah. And it was really fun. Plus oh, I got to I don't know why I had pictured it like the opposite way, like a chopped situation where you both like did not communicate in any Ooh, way. Oh, that would be fun though. <laughs> I was like that seems almost more fun fun where you both just like randomly pick a bunch of stuff and then you're like okay now we gotta put our fucking heads together and figure out what we're gonna make with this i want to do that can we do Farmers that as friends chopped yeah I that sounds it. great you can have your husband we can have your spouse judge <laughs> but back to your system i want to hear oh yeah about your museum date system so yeah like museums are good regardless of what kind of museum i i feel like Different kinds of museum allow for different levels of interaction. Yeah. Like, I feel like the scale goes like this. From most conversation to least, it's like art museum, history museum, science museum. Yep. Right? It's like, if you go to a science museum, that's like a fun hangout date yeah where at the end you go like wasn't that cool didn't you like the blah 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 and then you turn every once in a while you turn to each other and you go whoa right that's like really low intensity history museum you're spending most of your time reading plaques like you're you're walking around slow you're reading a plaque you're going oh mm, colonizers Mm -hmm." (laughs) and which is also a good way to suss them out about how they feel about why i love that and then at an art museum like basically all of being at an art museum is like criticize criticizing art talking about breaking down like show me your favorite art piece it says a lot about you <laughs> yeah but then that means like that's a lot of interact what do you think of this what's your favorite thing you've seen like there's more interaction involved yeah. there's not as much you know free space going on at an art museum yeah I I feel like that's why I like why I personally like art museums as a first date yeah um versus like a science or history museum because my need to fill silence be- with a new person in particular uh-huh. my comfortability my comfort around silence with new people is not a lot yeah um and I also like dissecting things yeah like I that's why we do this podcast I right. love right. you know dissecting film and why I. I love a movie and dinner date as a first date. Where you do the movie first. First and dinner second. That's and you the can way. talk about the movie. Yeah. And especially like going to a movie and ha- purposely having a conversation afterward. And it's not just what did you like about it. It's right. like what did you think of the lighting and having like an actual like talk about the production, talk about the acting, yeah. what we do on the podcast. Right. Um, 
my my perfect version of the dinner and a movie date and this also says something about my like food preferences is like i love that idea i love go to a movie and then dissect it go to a movie find a food cart yes get food walk around in the park and talk about the movie (laughs) you still don't have to sit down and look each other in the fucking eyes that sounds like a perfect date right that sounds like an incredible date especially as someone who's had a lot of bad restaurant dates lately i'm saying like we gotta get over this dinner drink coffee thing get up and walk around do something you don't know this person you can't expect to be able to hold a conversation with them fluidly for However long, even the 15, 20 minutes it takes you to drink a cup of coffee. Yeah. And like doing things together is really important to me in relationships. Right. Like that was a big reason I broke up with my ex because we never did anything. Yeah. We just like hung out in their apartment and it's like. And that's it too, right? It's like more of more of what being in a relationship is, if it's a healthy one, is doing stuff together. Right. Doing something like going to an activity or traveling or hiking, that's going to give you a better barometer for what being in a relationship with that person is going to be like versus like just having dinner and talking about how many siblings you have and what got you into your career. I don't care about what you do for your job. I want to know how you see colors. Unless your job is like the thing that drives you to get up in the morning and you're super passionate about it. I don't know if I've talked about this date on this podcast yet but i have to because it was awful so so i went out for drinks with this guy and his thing that like caught my attention was his job yeah because he judges olympic level fencing matches cool right like that sounds fascinating right and so we had done the pleasantries he had asked about my teaching but didn't really pay attention or care or ask questions about what I when I went on my like you know feelings about education he was just like okay and I'm like cool Cool. glad we're having this conversation but I like started asking him about questions and I'm like tell me about your job I literally said I want to know everything like how did you get into it well I was a fencer and then I started judging okay cool okay Okay, what got you into fencing Fencing. in the first like Give me something here, my guy. Tell me a story. Because, like, that's what's going to, like, again, I feel like this is a thing I say a lot about dating culture and especially men in dating, men, uh, especially men in dating culture. Put some fucking effort in. Yeah. Like, give me something. Like, I, look, I read too many Jane Austen novels as a kid. I need some fucking witty banter. (laughs) If you can't have. You want to talk about. Uh, like toxic influences on the idea of oh god, it's romance awful. and love, especially as a young person. We, let's oh. look the fuck at Jane Austen. We could do a whole series about the toxic. We could do a whole season of a podcast about the toxic shit in all those like classic like gentry novels oh it's awful it's awful but the banter is good that's true and i like i it's always been a thing that i found attractive like you and i used to do it all the time yeah of like just like give me some like play with me have fun be weird give me a sense of your personality don't just give me two word answers and then look at me while i take a drink 
because also he didn't ask me a fuck single fucking question the entire night. Jesus Christ, fucking men! I, it's so not like, hard. Like, here's the thing. Here's another. Like, I feel like I should. I could write a book about all of the like little hacks I've learned. Hacks, <laughs> hacks, hacks to dating as like I now realize a probably autistic person because like yes. Having conversation with a new person is challenging. It is. Here's the thing. They're not going to know that you ask the same five questions at every first date. No. They haven't been on all your first dates with you. I used to literally have, I mean, I didn't have them like written down on cards. Oh, no, I have a list of questions. But I have a literal, I used to have a literal Rolodex of like, not like, what do you do you know, what's your favorite season? Bullshit like that. But like weird questions, like if you could live your life as an animal, what would it be? You know, like which weird fictional stuff. universe do you want to live Just in? Just exactly something to get them talking about something that's one of my favorites because I'm such a film nerd is what are your top five movies and what are your top five comfort movies? Yeah, because like. You know, my favorite movies as film are different than my five movies that I watch over and over again. And like, I like learning people's perspectives. And like, that's what a date is, is learning your perspective. And if you don't give me anything, I'm not interested. Right. When I have more chemistry with the waiter because they're actually having a conversation with me. You're not doing a. You're not yeah. doing well. I heard about this on a podcast recently. Uh, this is a, a thing from a bygone era that you can't do it anymore. But I really liked this idea for a, a date. Is you like go into a video store? Oh, video store. Um, and you. I mean, this can't be a first date. This this requires some knowledge of the other person. But like, you pick. One movie that is like important to you that you want the other person to see. Yeah. One movie that you like that you think they will also like. Yep. And then one movie for that like you don't know or feel anything about that you think you would both enjoy together. I love that. So like one for me, one for you, one for us. I love that. Which I think is like such a good. And then again, that's an activity that you can do. While not looking at each other right. and while doing a thing. I like that idea. Yeah, have a movie marathon day. Make snacks. Yeah. Smoke a bowl. <laughs> yeah. Always. <laughs> Look, if you I, want me to be cool, we gotta smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, that's another one of my little, like, <laughs> secrets to, like, dates. Pre-game. Like, honestly, yeah, I think there's, I mean, spoken as, like, a person with a history of, like, substance abuse problems, but, like... I don't think there's anything wrong with having a drink or a joint before a date. Absolutely not. So long as you can still be like a composed person yeah. and you're not driving or whatever. Like, don't be an asshole about don't it. Don't be an idiot. Don't show but up like, drunk, but like... Yeah, don't show up drunk, but like we're all uncomfortable sober and... First dates are awful. First dates are always awful. Just save yourself a little bit and just like let the air out of the tires a little, Listen you up. know? Yeah. I feel like a West Coast elitist. I was just going to say that. I feel like a total like West Coast elitist. But I think that people here are boring. <laughs> Not that there aren't non-boring people. Like I've met plenty of like weird punks and stuff. Yeah, I'm not saying. It's just like, like they're fewer and farther are, between. Yeah. 
It's like pulling teeth to get a conversation started out of anyone. Yeah, it seems like everybody, I don't know, it seems like there's just a lot more of the like, well, I enjoy my nine to five job and I really love my dog. And on Sundays, sometimes I go out for brunch. It's like, that's not a personality. Brunch is not a personality. Like, and at least in Seattle, I expected the freeze. I knew it sucked. I hated it. People are distant. But I expected it. I was warned. Right. We're in the Midwest. I was told people are friendly. They are, but they're like surface friendly. Yeah. They're like, hi, how you doing? Can I help you change your tire? Um, now, please do not ask me any personal questions about my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and like, I don't, like, I know Minneapolis has a fantastic queer scene. Like, Yeah, it, so I've been told. So I've been told. I have not been able to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And like. As a non-binary, non-gender conforming person, I feel like I don't belong here. Yeah. Like, I'm too masculine for sapphic circles, and I'm too feminine for masculine circles. Yeah, you should try being a trans lesbian. Yeah. I (laughs) imagine it's frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. That's why I mostly end up dating other trans people, which also feels bad. Yeah, it feels very limiting. And I just like, no one seems to know what to do with me here. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like there's not as much open-mindedness in general about like stuff, appearances and like approaches and like everything kind of although like it's certainly better than it was when we left you know five six seven seven years ago yeah seven years ago jesus uh yeah certainly better than when we left seven years ago but it is i'm super depressed there's no way to like my depression is kicking my ass yeah and I know one thing to help my depression is to go out of my comfort zone, yeah. to go do things, uh-huh. to go find people. Right. Every time I, and like, you know, every like hotline I call and every counselor I talk to or whatever is always like, find your people. What are other queer people? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me I've been looking. <laughs> I like, I'm not a club queer. Yeah. Like, I will, but it's like, I have to be prepared. Yeah. And like... By which I mean drugs. There yes. have to be drugs. Or an obscene <laughs> amount of alcohol. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Going to the 90s on Pride was a nightmare. Oof, yeah. Um, plus, the 90s is just yeah. like... The Bachelorette gay bar and isn't really like Gross. a gay bar. Yeah, I hate those. And it's just like, I don't. Yeah, like to go to a club, like yeah, there's got to be Molly or something. something. And like, there's. <laughs> I'm in my 30s and now I don't have that energy right? anymore. <laughs> and like, I don't feel like I'm can like, and everything else it either costs money. Or time that I don't have. Right. Right. And it just like, I've been stuck in this isolation and 
it seems like all of the avenues lead back to nothing. Yeah. Because I'm either ignored or stonewalled or pushed away from any inkling towards the queer community. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And it also, it like, kind of double sucks to move here and, like, know no one and not be able to get into the community and have a partner who, like already has been here and has already dated like half of the people in the community and yeah. already knows everyone. I can imagine that's frustrating. That feels bad because I, I only have you to commiserate with because Grayson cannot relate. Right. Cause like they know way more people now than they ever did in Seattle. Right. I don't know. And it's not like I have a bunch of people from, around here reaching out to hang out with me either yeah i i burned a lot of bridges when i left for seattle and i'm not mad at it i don't regret it but yeah the isolation of moving into a new city and like not even being welcomed by your own community feels Feels real shitty yeah and it's like it's again, it points to the, the like fracture within the queer community where like as cool and progressive as many of us are, a lot of the community still hasn't gotten on board with the trans stuff yet, yeah. which seems fucking insane to me. Like, I don't think it's an overstatement at all to say that like you literally cannot be queer if you are not OK with trans people. Because, like, then you fundamentally have misunderstood, like, the point of yeah. queerness. Yeah. So, like, get the fuck out. Know as, your as fucking history. As far as I'm concerned, like, you can wait outside until you figure your fucking shit out. And yeah. then you can come back. But, yeah, not everybody sees it that way. And a lot of people just see us as trans. And they just think about the genitals that they do or do not prefer to have sex with. Yeah. It's frustrating it's frustrating to just like walk around and know that all anyone sees when they look at you is your junk and especially as like someone who's demi who's like not even interested no like i and especially in like a masculine on masculine relationships it's just like pulling fucking teeth to get any kind of conversation going yeah and like even when I call people out, I'm like, my new line has been, oh, I see you're a thrilling conversationalist after like three two word messages. Yeah. Because I'm like, how am I supposed to respond to this? What am I supposed to do with you're cute? Hi, how are you? Like, yeah, fuck off. What do you want out of this? Yeah. And like, it just gets super frustrating and it sucks. And I don't know how to fix it because I feel like I've done all the things that I was supposed to and it led it to know. nothing. Yeah. And all the apps are trash. All the apps are trash. And like there's basically two kinds of people on those app- any any and all of the apps, which is like people who are largely uninterested and probably aren't going to message you back unless you are like deeply compelling for one reason or another. Right. Or just total horny monsters who, if you don't talk about sex in the first four messages, they don't care. 
Right. And neither of those things are helpful. No, they're not. And neither, they're not helpful and they're not anything I'm interested in. Right. But like, how do you make friends as an adult? I mean, you're not supposed to, right? Like, capitalism works best when we're all isolated. Yeah, that's true. So you're not supposed to make friends. That's stupid. Yeah. It's real fucking stupid. I just want people to talk to you that aren't you. Yeah. (laughs) Same. (laughs) We talk to each other a lot. Maybe we should move to Chicago instead of Minneapolis. Ugh, so much more expensive, Chicago. I know, I know. And the winters aren't much better. No, I know. But the queer scene is much more diverse. That's probably true. Yeah. I'm definitely noticing that there's a lot of... I don't know how to describe this. I'm going to say a thing that might be controversial, and I don't fully mean this, but I don't have another way to describe it. The queer people here seem very straight. They do. And I don't mean that to impugn their queerness. I'm not saying there's certain things you have to do to be, like, queer enough. But coming from a city full of, like, loud, glittery fairy queers... Right, like, weird, like, genderless art queers. Right, to a very... Not necessarily binary... But like, but a little more traditional. traditional, yeah. And like, I very much understand it's like a West Coast versus Midwest thing, and totally. it's not so much like, you know, it's the flavor of queer, and it's not so. I, yeah. But like, I know you had a joke about this, and I always knew it as a kid. They don't make me here. <laughs> That's right. That is a joke of mine. Yeah. No. They don't make me here, and like, I knew coming back here, like. I didn't fit in when I was a kid and I knew coming back here, especially after yeah. being in Seattle for seven years, I'm not going to fit in here. Yeah. But how much I don't fit in here. Yeah. It's, it's still a little jarring. It's still really jarring. And like, I was looking forward, I was looking forward to being able to be extra here and actually stand out for once because Seattle, my extra does not stand out. Right. Like you can be as extra as you want in Seattle and somebody is still going to be doing more than you. Exactly. And like I was, my experience at Pride this year in Minneapolis was interesting. Yeah. Because I was the, like I went like. My friends are like, we're going to Pride. Come with us. And I was like, cool. I love Pride. Pride. I know how to do Pride. Yeah, this is something I know how to nail. Right. right. I felt like I stood out. Like, I wore glitter. Like, not a ton of glitter, but I wore glitter. But you wore on, on a Pride-appropriate yeah. amount of glitter. I under-glittered for West Coast Pride. <laughs> let's be real. And I still stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Because, like, Pride... How he- strange. Because, like... Pride in the West Coast is festival. Totally. Like, it's... It's fucking Bonnaroo. It is. It's you... It's Or better yet, it's Burning Man. It is Burning Man. <laughs> and it's like, you put on a... It's a costume affair. And yeah. it's, you know... Everybody puts on these, like, crazy elaborate things or wears, like, no, no clothes, clothes at, at all. all. Like, 
you know, 40% of people are just wearing like pasties and strap-ons. It's great. I love it. <laughs> but pride oh, here. I miss, get- I miss the pasties and strap-ons, lesbians. <sighs> <laughs> given i went to like the corporate my friends took me to the corporate pride and not like the people's pride so like i my like view is skewed but like pride here was cargo shorts and rainbow t-shirts that feels like just a saturday at a gay bar it felt like a farmer's market (gasps) oh right which is a farmer's market. Which is very queer. Which is very queer. You like, should know if you're not a gay person. Farmer's markets are very like gay. Queer space, yes. But, but pride. Yeah. Weird. And then they dragged me to like one of the, my, I went to, I went out for pride to the 90s, mm. which is the straight gay club. Yeah. I've heard it's like, like plan B in Madison it or is. something. Yeah. Uh, it's very much, there were. <laughs> feel like this summarized my experience at pride i my friends were in the bathroom and i was just waiting in the hall for them and i was just like sitting scrolling on my phone for a second like taking a fucking moment to myself because yeah it's pride and i'm surrounded by people and i'm also autistic and just need a fucking moment totally some drunk white bitch comes up to me and it's just like you just need to know you're so pretty and you're amazing and just because no one else appreciates you you blah blah, blah. i'm like yeah i know I look hot as fuck right now. Don't fucking patronize me. I'm aware. Like, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting for my friends. Like, just because you don't get it doesn't mean other people. Like, yes, I know. Three men just hit on me. I am very aware of how hot I am. Stupid. And I'm just like. Do men hit on you? They did at that night. I looked very masculine that night. Ah. I like because I did a I did a costume change. It's funny that like you have <laughs> I don't want to say it's successful, but like you've transitioned so effectively, even as a non-binary person. Everyone assumes I'm a fa- I'm a fab. Gay men are <laughs> gay men. I, gay men love me, which is great. But then they realize I'm a fab. Like. They all assume that I have a dick, which then right, gives and me then they get mad up that, which is like weird. weird. Also, the way ma- way gay men flirt with me is not how I like to be flirted with, and like, <sighs> yeah, it's it's complicated and like because it's so direct. It's so direct, and it's, it's upset. Also- I mean, like, even as an autistic person who like prefers directness in my communication, it's too direct. Obfuscate, obfuscate flirts yeah right actually flirt that's really what it is it's like i want you to put in put in work right i want you to do a thing and not just like be like yes so my dick right like like what i just met you like yes i am a slut but i have standards but i also just met you like come on but yeah like i uh, i no one knows what to do with me here, and I don't know what to do with myself, and it's weird. It's weird. This has solidified for me that this is not our forever home. No. It can't be. No. The fact that I like lost half my wardrobe when I moved here because I don't feel comfortable wearing it. it because people like give me four more months at work, and maybe I'll wear a skirt to work. Yeah. 
But like, my kids still misgender me. Gross. <laughs> like, and it's all because of my goddamn voice. Trust me, I know. Yeah, it's a killer. It's a killer. The thing about working with autistic kids is they're very, like, kids in general are really good about pointing out your insecurities. Autistic kids don't hold back at all. No, they don't know how. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll have kids who don't even know me. And, like, this happened the other day. And, like, this girl walked up to me in the hallway and I was talking to one of my kids. She just, like, looks at me, stops, like, stops in front of me, stares up at me and goes, you sound like a girl. That's really cool. And then walks on and I'm like twist okay what a twist interesting yeah maybe we uh maybe you and i should get some go in on some voice lessons together oh we'll go God. we'll go together it's and they so can... much work to pitch your voice it's so much work like that's why i mean i've done some like a little bit of changing my voice but like it's so much work it's especially so- in, when you're in the process of like strengthening to get to the point where you can use it all the time and like just means like sounding stupid a lot also i've been in customer service and i've been in childcare as a femme person for so long that Mm. my instinct is to pitch up right to make other people more comfortable exactly so like and like i like I am a large person. I can come off as intimidating, especially to my kids who like are tiny. All, not all of them. Some of my kids are very big. But, <laughs> you know, I still are like they have to look up at me and I am like one of the larger teachers and mm-hmm. I am very masculine in my like I like, you know, I have a beard. I'm tall. I'm fat. Like I am very quote unquote bearish. Mm-hmm. And so like. And my kid like. My whole job is to make myself less threatening mm-hmm. to my kids. Right. And talking in a deeper voice does not, not, not do that. Not helpful for that. Not conducive to that aim. No. Slower, yes. Lower, no. Yeah. I also, like, I kind of get the dating men thing. Because, like, I I have only ever been able to, like, I don't know how to, this is weird to say. Like, I've only ever been exposed to gay men as, like, a dating person. Right. Because, right? like, I came out, and since I've come out, I've basically only dated non-binary people. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it is an interesting idea to me to be able to date like straight men i mean although if you're dating me probably not like the straightest no but i I sort of understand where you're coming from in that way i don't think i want to date a man i just want to date someone with more masculine energy than i have that's fair you just need a good butch in your life i need a good butch in my (laughs) life god just like I just want to be the soft one. I also like could I don't need a relationship in my life. What I need is a therapist. <laughs> yeah, fair. But like I can't afford a therapist, so good sex would be really nice. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. 
I just need a social life, I think. And yeah. I don't know how to make friends. I don't either. So romantic relationships seem easier somehow. Because <laughs> see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are structures in place. Right. For adults to find relationships. But like there's no dating apps for friends. I mean, there are like there's Tinder also, is a dating app for friends. But there's also like no structural like steps in place to make friends. Right. Where like in dating, there's like a sequence and expectations and like standards in place to like help guide you i'm just really autistic yeah and don't know how i was to... waiting for you to <laughs> arrive at that conclusion oh, i already knew this it's like i get it i know it's the autism yeah but like right because b- friendships are so nebulous it's like if i'm in a relationship i can tell if a relationship is going well well or badly yeah. right but like with a friendship it's like I don't know. We hung out two weeks ago, but like, is that too much? Like, is that not enough? I don't know. Like, we text sometimes. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just, I need social outlets. And I would, I just need social outlets. I'm too in my own life right now. And it's like. I shouldn't have to rely on my students for all of my social interactions. Yeah, that's fucking real. I feel that. I, yeah, I get all of my social energy from my coworkers. The last time I was in Portland, I got to be a unicorn for a couple while I was down there, uh-huh. which was really fun. And we're still in touch. Uh-huh. And I know if I text them <laughs> and let them know, they would invite me out. I don't think the sex was that good. Yeah. I think with, I mean, I don't know this from experience, but my bet would be in sleeping with couples. That's probably the most common experience. Is yeah. That the sex is just, just, just fine just or not okay. Fine. It wasn't. Speaking of which, I want to talk about this. How would one go about, this is a totally hypothetical. I'm not literally yeah. asking you this for me. How would a person go about trying to have sex with couples without having sex with unicorn hunters? It's a long, lengthy process. (laughs) Like, I've never done it, and I've never been in a couple that was trying to have sex with a third person. So, I'm just like, because there's so many unicorn hunters, and they're all so, so gross, and like, nine times out of ten, they just treat you like a fucking sex toy, and like, do not care at all, and or and or end up like you end up starting a fight, right? Because they weren't actually prepared for this, and they didn't have an actual conversation about it. That seems like that's gonna those two scenarios are gonna cover basically all of your situations and having sex with a couple. I definitely have started fights before, right? I'm saying uh, like the odds of you starting a fight are so high. It feels like the only way to make that situation work is, like, at a party where you know everybody's already down. I, so, 
before we met, my last serious relationship was with a couple uh-huh. as their third. And like, you know, it was the classic. I started dating her and I happened to have chemistry with the guy. Yeah. At least that's what I thought happened. Yeah. It Like looking back on it, it was definitely some manipulative. Here's my boyfriend shit. But that's fine. I fell hard and I fell fast because that's who I am. And I was a teenager at the time. But they tried to hide it a lot. But like... I definitely caused there was, tension. there was tension and it like seemed to be the the running problem seemed to be like there's more effort in the relationship when I'm around yeah which like I mean that's one of the fundamental problems of being a polyamorous person is balancing the energy the like new relationship energy with the effort of a partner you've been with a long time even though the feelings aren't as strong i mean not as strong the feelings aren't the same they're yeah they're not they don't feel as immediate right right they don't give you that same like head rush that and like like, you know like something that like i'm still learning and figuring out is like how my neurodivergency also works with new relationship energy you have a tendency like anytime you get to anything you're interested in you're just like Like, well i I have, have to do this all the time. Right. And like trying to like not have my brain hyper fixate on things like on people and like totally. which is like such a weird thing to do. Like looking at it that way as an adult makes my teenagers make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, I was so boy crazy. Yeah. And it was just because you were like, "Oh, here's an interest that gives me some dopamine. Right. Better chase this dopamine forever." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's okay. We all make bad decisions before we get diagnosed and we know what's going on. Like, all those years that I, like, was working first shift, getting up early, and I had all this limitless energy, I had no idea it was because I'm bipolar and I was inducing mania in myself. And that's why... The handful of days that I wasn't doing that, I was fucking cripplingly depressed and, like, trying to kill myself. Yeah. It's like, I was just making myself cycle so fast for work. And, like, you know, once you deconstruct all that stuff, it becomes a lot easier to deal with and yeah. work around. Because Absolutely. you can watch it. Once you can recognize it, you can yeah. start. I want to go back. Yeah, sorry. This is, we not, went... this is not a polyamory podcast, but it is... Right now. I just wanted to... I don't think maybe... This is a bad topic for you and I to talk about. But I just don't think that, like, triangle relationships where, like, two people are dating the same person. Like, everybody's dating each other. I just don't think it works. Like, I don't think it... I don't want to be that person who's like, polyamory never works. I don't... I don't mean that. This specific version, because... You both see each other in the new relationship all the time. And because there's no possible way to not have an enthusiasm gap. Yeah. Like, there's just no way that two humans like another human exactly the same amount. That's impossible. So, like, there's bound to be the one person you connect with better and then the other person's always going to resent you or not try at all. And then why are we even dating? You know, it's like... I just don't think it's a good idea. I think you need to... I think the point of polyamory, in my estimation anyway, is that, like, there's no way that a single human being can, like, tick all of my boxes, can be everything in a partner that I possibly want. 
but one person can get pretty close and then I can find more people, other people to do those other parts that my husband isn't good at. Right. Which, but like, if you're both dating the same person, how are you both getting the extra things you need out of that relationship that you're not getting out of your primary relationship when they are the same relationship? Do you know what I mean? Is that making sense? But I think, I think I, it does make sense. I see where you're coming from, but it's not the same relationship. Like, like I understand where you're coming from and I can see what you're saying, but like, like you need different things from different people. That one person can be different things for different people. So like sure. that person, like I think when it does work and when uh, people do find that sweet spot and I think it does take a lot of work and it takes, you know, yeah. a lot of communication and it definitely takes therapy and knowing <laughs> yourself. Yeah. But like when you, f- it's like finding a missing puzzle piece of like your, the pieces just like work out that like you know, maybe they give your partner something that you don't and then they can give you something and your partner doesn't and it it's just, like, fills in yeah. the missing pieces. I, I agree with you that it is theoretically possible in the same way that, like, Zero Kelvin is theoretically possible. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm also a helpless romantic, so, like, I, right. in I my think judgment... I, is... I recognize it as, like, a theoretical possibility, but my point, I think, is that, like, all sort of triangle relationships like that have sort of an asymptotic relationship with that limit where you can approach it but never actually get there i say this with the most love i possibly can Uh i think you're just a cynic (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean uh my mom's only been married four times i can't imagine what would make you think that i might be cynical about love or relationship okay point taken (laughs) I I, I just, okay, the last thing I want to say (laughs) is, like, to use your puzzle piece analogy, which, like, I agree is, okay, let me just say this whole point, and maybe I think my point will make itself. To use your puzzle piece analogy, let's say you have two puzzle pieces that you don't know necessarily are connected in any Mm -hmm. way. Say they're blank. Yeah. But you can see the shapes. Yeah. If you pick up another random piece from the pile, what are the odds... That it's going to fit in between those two puzzle pieces. Pretty low, right? Yeah. But the odds that it might fit around one of the pieces is actually pretty good. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Is yeah. that it's like a numbers game, right? Like, it is theoretically possible that there's only... That one piece happens to fit in between those two pieces that happen to be that close together already. But odds are astronomically better that... It will fit one of those pieces and not at all the other one. So you're worried about the math of it all. Yes, I'm worried about the math of it all. I'm autistic. (laughs) I'm always worried about the math. You can't. Yeah, well, that's dating in general is always you're gonna like have to. It just seems like bad math. It's dating is bad math. You, It's a lot of disappointment hoping that someone doesn't disappoint you. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but like, just because it's hard work and you have to go through a lot of, you have to like try on a little different pieces and try to work it out together doesn't mean it's not worth it. I agree. Again, I agree with you theoretically. (laughs) Again, you've been in a sort of hypothetical mind palace vacuum. I agree. But in human people meet space, I don't think it's possible. 
<laughs> Just human beings are too messy. So in your logic, why date ever? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I said. I said, like, there are some propositions in life in general that I think are too risky to bear putting any time or energy into. Like the lottery, for example. The lottery is just a savings account for people who can't do math, right? Yeah. Because it doesn't basically doesn't ever pay out. And statistically, people who win the lottery have paid in a lot more lot- to the mm-hmm. lottery than they get out. Um, so it's just like a, a savings account for dumb people. Um, so in the same way that I don't feel like buying a lottery ticket is a useful, like expenditure of my money i don't feel like me and my partner dating someone together at the same time is a useful use of those like oh absolutely resources that's all i'm kind of trying to say i'm not saying that it's impossible i'm saying that For it your... requires a lot more energy and a lot more effort that i think in general is maybe not as rewarding as the alternative yeah. I'm not saying it can't potentially be. I'm saying that value proposition is worse. The ROI is worse, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about relationship ROI. Tell me you're autistic without telling me. Oh. I have a theory about relationship ROI. So I have been doing comedy a long time, and I started doing comedy in the my hometown, Um a friend and I basically like created the comedy scene there. And so my parents used to come to my shows a lot. Well, not a lot. But um my mom came to a show once and I made a joke about giving blowjobs. I don't even remember what the joke was, but the punchline was something about giving blowjobs. <laughs> How did Connie react? She stayed for the rest of the show. Totally fine. I remember doing the joke and like doing a little check-in, you know, like when you're on stage and you're like kind of glancing around and every once in a while you'll like really catch somebody's eye just to be like, how are we doing? I remember like doing a check-in with her from the stage and it seemed fine. (laughs) And then she like pulled me aside after the show and she was like, I really liked it. I think after the blowjob joke, I won't be coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was like, you know what? That's super fair. That's fair. (laughs) I probably wouldn't come back either. (laughs) You know? Yeah, Uh, knowing about my kid's sex life seems seems weird. weird. And like, not my sex life, but like my whole oeuvre my whole thing is just like my personal experiences and like my right outlook and so like it's impossible not to learn a bunch of information about (laughs) me if you watch me do stand up or tell a story that's just like how i am so i could get not wanting to like learn all of that information about your daughter necessarily yeah (laughs) See, like, this is where, like... Wait, hold on a second. Can we... It's 2022 now. Can we just drop the 20? Can we finally get rid of the 20? Can we just start saying saying 22? 22. Because, like, in 1998, I never said 1998. I said 98. 
Yeah. And it's and I get that for the transition was hard. Can we just start saying 22? Yeah. Because man, 2022 is a like Mouthful. I feel like 2021 was tough. When we were in the teens it was better, but it's only going to get harder from here. We yeah. got to really make a choice and just start we're in the 20s now. It's not the 2020s, it's the, the 20s. 20s. Welcome to the 20s. Welcome to the 20s. The not as roaring as the last 20s. <laughs> the depressions come first this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, um. I just need like, because I carry this water bottle with me everywhere, right? I just need like a sticker on the side that says like, here are my special interests. Ask me about one of them. <laughs> if you don't, I probably won't talk. But it's not because I hate you. It's because I have nothing to say about the banal bullshit that you're talking about. Because it's not communism or Dungeons and Dragons or flags <laughs> or maps. Yeah, that would be... Servids. If I could have a... Languages. Sticker for all my kids that track their special interests. That God, would wouldn't that be great? So helpful. So handy. They, they also... My kids, want, because they're nine, they change all the time. Yeah, they just have like little whiteboard. Like little like uh-huh. chore. Like, you know, the kind yeah. that you get. For like, this is what we need from the grocery store. Yeah. Like that. But, but with special, special interests. interests. And you use like a like a wet erase marker yeah. so they don't erase on accident. I propose this, but this also means that we have to get resources from the school, which <laughs> I'm truly thinking about doing that with my water bottle. Like Do that it. would save me so much time. Like I'm autistic. I'm not gonna talk unless you mention one of these topics. <laughs> I'm just in this exact moment realizing that my dad's family. So I've known for I figured out a while ago that like I get my autism from my dad. Right. Um, And I get my ADHD from my mom. So Same. that's like a fun. Oh, yeah, exactly. And um, I'm realizing now that like you can see it in the way the families like do stuff. So the way my oh, dad's yeah. family does Christmas presents, um, it used to be like um, a secret Santa thing, like everybody draw a hat. But since we're all adults now, we just kind of like buy stuff for whoever. Right. Um, but anyway, we go, we go from youngest to oldest. Everyone opens one gift, holds it up. Up in three directions <laughs> for photos and then the next person opens one gift and on holds your... it up and, th- and then you go all the way through the loop and then you start over at the beginning and what does your mom's family do my mom's family goes crazy <laughs> yup <laughs> we i think my mom's family goes in order but everybody opens all their presents like you it's this person's turn they shred and shred and shred they show all their things and then they're done and you move on to the next person christmas present like present opening at with the hacks used to take like four hours like it has since been amended since i was a kid because there's like too many people now right but like it, it used to take it was like an undertaking it took all day no. To open you. presents. No, thank you. Oh. Because everybody just was like, it's like, oh my God, please, can we just get this over with so we can all ignore each other again? Because, like, I don't know a single gay person who didn't date someone five or more years older than them at some point, probably too young. Yeah. Like, probably when they were in high school. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's like part of it is 
because we don't have parents who can walk us through the experience, an older gay person is kind of the only... Right, they're our lifeline. ...outlet you have for that kind of stuff. It's... And I also think this has to do with how little we're seen in media because we don't have any... We don't have other stories to grab onto except what we're told. Right. And if we're not shown in the media and purposely kept out of movies and TV shows and books and all of that, then you believe your only trajectory is to end up sad and alone and dying of some disease that you can't control. Right. And, you know, like... I feel like we grew up so much in the shadow of AIDS that... Truly, a lot of the gay people I grew up with never expected to grow old. No. Because we didn't know any old gay people. There were no old gay people. No. Like, I grew... I was born in 1990. People were still dying. Yeah. 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 The fact that, like... And because we lost... We lost so much of our culture and so much of our history and... You know, so many people were scared back into the closet that, like, for us coming out, there was nowhere to turn. Right. And, you know, luckily we had the early internet, and luckily we could find each other and finally go, oh, I'm not alone. At least I can figure this out with someone else. Right. You know, at least I know I can, like... Even if that person is a stranger I met in the chat room. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of crazy shit you can do if you have treatment resistant PTSD or depression, like psychedelics and, and ketamine, and, ketamine and, and ecstasy. All of those things are supposed to help. Yeah. With treatment resistant depression and PTSD. Yeah. I've heard amazing things from people with treatment resistant depression. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about ketamine therapy. Yeah, and... I actually have thought about that a lot as somebody who can't take SSRI, who is profoundly depressed and can't take SSRIs because I'm bipolar. Right. That it might be interesting to see if something like that would help with yeah. my depression. Although I've heard from people that like if you once you stop doing it, it stops helping. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's not... I can't just go do ketamine once a month for the rest of my life. Well, <laughs> not with that attitude, I can't. <laughs> I'd like to try. Sure would like somebody to give me the opportunity to try. Got a lot of time. I, was, I had that realization recently, like... Man, I because like now I'm working with the public again right. in this retail job, and like I was like, how did I used to do this? Like a biscuit bitch when I had to handle like thousands of customers, oh, and I then I would go day. out drinking with more people I after know. work. And I was like, oh, that's right, bitch, you were drunk all the time, right? Like, constantly. And the days that you weren't drunk, you were tripping your balls off, like. No wonder you never had time to think about how fucking uncomfortable you were. Right? I you were just in you were just in it in survival constant. mode all the time. Yeah. yeah. I t- yeah. I because my schedule is so weird and like I do have like I'm I'm working customer service again and but I'm doing it at like a reduced capacity and which is the way to do it. Oh yeah. my god. 
and uh, because of the snow, I had to work more days than usual. I'm like, how did I used to be able to work with twice as many customers? Yeah. And five days a week. week. If that. Like, like, you know me. I was working probably six most weeks. Yeah. At least near the end. And it was just like, I, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. That but you were, we were so unhealthy. We were so not okay. Yeah, we were not okay. I think about I think about Florida constantly and like Jesus Christ. Yeah, the just like waking up drinking, the drinking all day, okay. the just like drinking not to feel like shit. Uh huh. Like I yeah. I mean, when we got home, because we even like had to drink on the plane, plane. coming home Holy. to not feel like shit. And I the, the like three days after we got home, I felt horrible. Miserable. Just like f- five, six days of like collective hangover and dehydration and sun and oh my oh god. god, I've never felt worse. <laughs> I don't regret going. Yeah, I w- could not do it again. I would never do it again. No, no. The only way I would do it again is I would like. Go down there and rent a car and go stay by myself. Yeah. And, like, go there a night or two. Two, and then... And then... Do my own thing. Do my own thing, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. But also, like, low-key fuck that company because, uh, she's, like, high-key extorting her employees. Oh, high-key. It's... It's a fucking cult. That's what it is. It's, It's definitely a cult. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> including tattoo including tattoos and everything yeah well at least at least it it's it works it's not like you know i don't have uh kimmy's initials tattooed on me or right anything. <laughs> at least I can back it up right um i'm sure you're acquainted with the digimon universe of products oh yeah you know i remember digimon, digimon. Did you watch Digimon? Adventure? I did not watch I Digimon. Not I was a Pokemon you were a kid. Too, and it was also like a little before. And That's it true. Was a little aimed a little older, I think. But Digimon was originally a Tamagotchi thing. It was a digital pet. It was, was it really? Which is why all of the characters have like a thing that they have to carry around a Digivice because it was actually just like a digital pet and. Like the Pokemon anime that was meant to sell like video games and Pokemon cards, right? The anime was made to sell like the little digital devices, but like the anime was way more successful than the Tamagotchi thing, the digital pet ever was. <laughs> so it ended up, it's one of those things where like it ended up being bigger than it ever was meant to be, of course. But yeah, I I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Digimon, even though Pokemon is like, I don't know. They're just different things. Yeah. Every, I have a lot of theories about this as a person who's like been an ardent Digimon fan for a long time, even though it's like an underdog (laughs) franchise that no one cares about. Because here's the thing, right? Like Pokemon is a fundamentally different game. Like Pokemon is about collecting and trading. Right. That is the core fundamental like you want to get all the different things you want to trade them with your friends so that you can get the best ones and the coolest ones right digimon isn't that like digimon is basically like 
a partner RPG. It's, okay. You have a pet, and that is your pet, your companions, and you only get stronger when each other gets stronger. Okay. So it's just, it's like a should be, and like whenever they make video games of it and stuff like that, they always fuck it up and they try and turn it into Pokemon where you're just like catching a bunch of Digimon, but that's not the game. Like the game is fundamentally like an RPG where you and your partner both get stronger and your partner therefore is able to like digivolve into more and more powerful versions of itself. Do they just put digi in front yes. of every uh-huh. single Absolutely. word? Absolutely. Yep. 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Digi Digivolution, the Digivice, the place they go to is just called the digital world. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it not very 1997 <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. I love it. I always loved having digital pets. Oh, so the the end, the reason I mentioned I brought up the Digimon thing at all was that I had been nostalgic to have like a digital pet. And I was like, fuck, man, if I'm going to get a little digital pet, it's going to be a goddamn Digimon. Right. Because that is like the whole reason that I'm here in the first place. And so, of course... Somebody has made like ROM hacks of the original like Digivices and oh, put them on the App Store. Of course they have. Because <laughs> why wouldn't they? That's amazing. So do you have a Digimon now? Yes, I do. Uh, I got two different versions of it, and I haven't I haven't actually started them up to see which one I like better because I know it's gonna like eat a whole day of my life. I can feel it. Tamagotchi are coming back. Yeah, exactly. That's what made me think of it. It's like Tamagotchi are coming back, and everyone's always gonna forget about like. The series of knockoff Tamagotchis that existed in that time that were the thing we all actually had because we never could get brand name fucking anything. Right, exactly. I was never allowed to get anything close to a digital pet or like never did because they were always too expensive. Mm -hmm. And I like the closest thing I came to a digital pet was Neopets. Yeah, which which isn't the same same at all. Yeah. Uh, But... You know, now I have real pets and yeah, real pets don't like turn into cool monsters, you know, that's well, you, you, <laughs> you've met my kids. Yeah, I was going to say, except your giant fucking cat who once was like a tiny little waif of a thing and now is like a full on fucking kaiju. Yeah, yeah, he's a big boy. <laughs> he's a big boy. Oh, cool. there's a there's a mall Santa in this movie, which is weird because we just did our last movie. We last episode we put out was a Christmas story, which is a Christmas movie with a mall Santa. Anyway, there's like a weird mall Santa sit Mars Hunter runner, Mars Hunter runner <laughs> is a Mars Hunter. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to edit that. That's going to be weird. <laughs> yeah, boy, do you have any thoughts? Would you like to say anything? 